0: Today's episode is brought to you by McLean Middleton, providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review, with our Down to Business podcast for April 21st, 2021. Um, we have a really special panel on today, and, it, and the timing was not on purpose, but I think it's really appropriate we have this discussion today. Um, it's the day after the uh, verdict reached in the Chauvin trial for the, for the murder of George Floyd, and uh, today we're going to be talking about issues very much related to that. Uh, and first, what I'd like to do is say that we have Michelle Vesey, who's Executive Director of the New Hampshire Businesses for Social Responsibility, Tom Raffio of Northeast Delta Dental, he's the CEO, and Matthew Hood, who is the vice president of uh, government relations for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health. Um, now, they're here to talk today about something that's going in the New Hampshire legislature, uh, House Bill 544. But the first, I'd like to get a reaction from, from each of you, it's possible, you know, how you felt after hearing the verdict yesterday and maybe what how, how much interest, well, I should say how much, interest, how much you paid attention to that, uh trial i don't know who wants to take that first but you're up it's up for grabs
2: Um, i can jeff um for me it was somewhat of a sigh of relief um because i feel like you know we've um been watching how systemic racism has been playing out in our country and so there was that ongoing concern that we might see it rear its ugly head again and in this case so um, for me, it was relief, but also, you know, just um, heartfelt, um, you know, I guess heartfelt um, relief for all of the people who understand and the suffering that has been part of, you know, this this whole trial and and um, and everything that's happened since hmm. in, in in the many years that people have been repressed.
3: So for me and uh, employees that uh, you know, I, you know, I chat this with just Tom. It, yes, Tom Rathke, CEO <laughs> of Delphinus. It was really, uh, as as Michelle said, you know, uh, some form of release, but hopefully the beginning of a healing process. Um, the Last few years there has been a lot of of activities uh, in in society, and um, I was hoping that this would be the begin of beginning of a healing process and. I think that's why it's also relevant, you know, that we talked today about HB five four four. Okay.
1: And Matthew, did you have similar?
4: Yeah, thoughts? I mean, I, I, it's an important, important verdict, and it reminds us, to Tom's point, we have a lot of work to do still. I mean, race relations matter. I don't, I don't know that this closes any any chapter, um, but it certainly signals that we have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah. You know, I have to say, Michelle raised the mention of this, and I think this ties in, unfortunately, very well with uh, the discussion today, is the idea of, you know, systemic racism. And, you know, we, you know you see that uh, played out across the country every day. Um, but this bill, first of all, Michelle, could you explain a little bit of what House Bill 544 is about and why the New Hampshire businesses for social responsibility and, and also your organizations, Tom and Matt, Uh, and many, many others are are taking a stand against it.
2: Right, so it is a bill that basically um, limits what um, companies who are doing business with the state, any organizations, um, et cetera. um, It limits our schools, both at the higher education and lower levels of education in discussing anything that could be construed as divisive, not only within race, but also around sexism. And it's important to call that out as well. Um, So it's really the state, you know, in one form, you know, trying to limit free speech. And um, for all of us, you know, who are really trying to build strong workplaces, it is, you know, trying to control how businesses and individuals do that. And so the state would basically be, you know, the um, overseer of what's allowed and not allowed when it comes to um, anything that they consider divisive in terms of racism or sexism.
1: So, I mean, could you then explain to me, you know, any of you, why you? Uh, what What motivated you to, to to sign this letter that was sent to I believe an open letter to the governor and the and the heads and the legislators
3: sure. in opposition to this? So uh, HB five four four caught my attention uh, early on. This was before, um, you know, uh, Michelle asked me to sign on to that, and before we were discussing it with the BIA, the Business Industry and Association, the Statewide Chamber. Because we um, at Delta Dental, we we were doing we were in the middle of a nine-hour every employee was in the middle of three three-hour sessions on implicit bias training, um, and and everybody from me to folks you know in our mailroom it was riveting and 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 again, this is at a period of time where where all of us have too many Zooms to do and everything else but like the three hours for each of these sessions went by like in two minutes and it was it it was riveting and compelling with 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 you know with the trainer so um i was concerned when i first read it you know so this is sort of training on things like implicit bias and so forth and while certainly what michelle was saying in terms of the state contract is valid but i was also concerned that some of this very 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 important training and probably so i've been the ceo for 26 years by far the best training you know, that, that we've ever gone through. And every employee said the same thing. And again, this is in an era when we all have too many Zooms. So for someone to sit in front of a Zoom for, th- you know, three hours, you know, they were breakouts, but there were three three-hour sessions. I said, oh, my God, um, could if this HB 544 was passed, could we even do this type of training? And 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 then the other thing is it mirrored the original executive order from the federal government, which the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, basically said, Uh, opposed it. So the first thing I did candidly was bring this to the attention of the BIA to make sure, even though it's controversial and, and sometimes the BIA doesn't want to necessarily weigh in on, you know, you know, controversial issues, whether it's school voucher or anything else. I said, we have to, we have to take a stand because we're trying to be competitive and younger workers, any, all workers want to be associated, you know, with, with a state, you know, that, uh, um, understands the importance of diversity and that we're becoming more diverse. So if we're trying to be competitive in industry, this is like, we have to take a stand, even though it may or may not be popular. Um, and this is, you know, good for business because, like I said, this training that we did, you know, I'd, I'd have to, you know, reread the fine find details, but I was really concerned that we might not be able to do this, you know, this type of uh, training. So Um, That's why I got involved, and then and then to the BAA's credit, after we raised it and they went through their process, you know, the committee, um, they have come out and uh, opposed um, HB 544 um, along with companies, you know, that signed on to uh, Michelle's letter. Yeah, and uh, you
1: know, I I wrote a story about when About the original letter, and then also about the BIA, the Business and Industry Associations' opposition, and it, it really is impressive when you think about how many businesses are, are involved in both organizations. There's very several hundred of them, and uh, that's a, and that's a lot of and a lot of them are very major employers, which is really
3: interesting to see. And as an aside, you in your article you enumerated the discussion and logic extremely well. Thank you. <laughs> Gee, thank you very much. Uh, and what, Matthew, from from Dartmouth's perspective, what
1: what what how, how is what was the reaction there? Because I I think both of you, both Northeast Delta Dental and Dartmouth, have some kind of contracts with the state. Apparently, I would think in the course of things, right? I mean, is that really?
4: Yeah, I would say uh, as the largest private employer, we're a significant contractor uh, with the state. Yeah. Uh, to provide healthcare services, you know whether it's the Medicaid program or otherwise, it, it wouldn't be very hard to, to look to find a contract. In terms of our our opposition to the bill, um, it was <clears throat> you know we, we our ability to provide exceptional patient care depends upon attracting and retaining diverse talent. Um, and inclusive work environments facilitate that effort, and so. W- w- you know, to Tom's point about what are, what are, what are organizations doing? I mean, we're working to cultivate that type of work environment in several ways. We're a member of the Healthcare Anchor Network, um, which is a group of 40 health systems in 45 states and the District of Columbia committed to addressing the impact of structural racism and the public health disparities caused by them. Um, I think we're all aware, <clears throat> but I wanted to point out. the the disparate impacts of COVID on minority populations as Mm -hmm. as potentially the latest um, intersection between health and health disparities and health equity. Um, We've also established the Diversity and Inclusion Task Force to evaluate how well the system is fulfilling its commitment to building and maintaining a healing patient care community that recognize the value of human diversity. And based on this work, the task force made recommendations that include additional training and education. So to Tom's point um, and yours, as a contractor with the state, we're concerned that these efforts would, would be undermined by the limitations imposed by this legislation.
3: So in the spirit of transparency, yes, we we do have a group dental client contract with the state of New Hampshire, but that's not what, so that's true. But that's not what grabbed my attention. Again, it was uh, these other points of you know, encouraging a diverse yeah. workforce and, and so forth. Um, obviously, I would be concerned about that eventually um, if it if it inhibited, you know, that group dental cl- client. But I was looking at it more from, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is a, a law that's, you know, in search of a. Uh, a problem to solve. It's actually that's overstating it because basically there's not, it's not solving anything. We need to um, mm-hmm. we need to have this kind of free you know this free this, this free discussion. Um, and and as Matt said, there's also oral health disparities. So we have some major initiatives going on you know on that front. And again, all I could think of is what I just I mean the the training sessions you know that we've done. I mean is, have brought. Uh, a lot of tears to my eyes as well as our employees. And I was thinking, oh my God, if we couldn't, if we couldn't do that, I mean, we're not going to grow as a society and we're not going to grow as, uh, you know, as, as, you know, as human beings.
1: Yeah. I I I just want to hold it right there for just a second. We have to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: McLean Middleton is one of New England's premier full-service law firms, with headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, and offices in Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. McLean Middleton has over 100 attorneys in five locations and has been providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. A full-service law firm with practice areas in corporate, tax, employment, litigation, trusts and estates. Energy and Environment, Intellectual Property and Privacy, and Data Security, to name just a few. McLean Middleton's commitment to their clients, community, and colleagues has helped them to establish and maintain long-standing relationships as trusted advisors. Whether you are starting your business, growing your business, or preparing to sell your business, McLean Middleton has the experience to guide you through the complexities of the legal system. For a complete listing of their practice areas, attorneys, and locations, visit www.mclane.com.
1: Okay, we're back. Um, I just want to, I, I, you know, something that Tom was saying makes me want to just kind of pursue this a little bit more, because, you know, I I have you know been in New Hampshire for over 40 years and, you know, there's no getting around it. It's a overwhelmingly white state. It's becoming more diverse, much more diverse than it was 40 years ago. And it's becoming more, I think it's people are realizing the importance of, of attracting all kinds of people, kinds of diverse people to the state, especially in terms of workforce, in terms of our demographics, all that stuff. But it it, it is, there is something to be said that that there's a, there's a core of a belief that goes back from probably centuries in New Hampshire thinking that, you know, cause we're a Northern state, we don't have these issues. And I even saw the other day, the governor, Governor new had an interview on New Hampshire public radio where he basically said, there's no such thing as systemic racism in New Hampshire. And, and I, I was wondering, I mean, he gave some kind of explanation yeah. saying there's racism, but there's no systemic racism. And I, and I was just kind of wondering, did, did, did any of you hear that interview or did you see anything about that? because i don't want to pursue this if you have if you don't know what i'm well, talking about
2: i didn't but i mean to you know to i guess counter a little bit of what the governor was saying is that you know certainly it's visible in very simple ways when you start thinking about you know when back in the depression when the government created the homeowner loan um administration where they were trying to help people get affordable mortgages that's a point when they started coloring you know neighborhoods in terms of the people who lived within and that's where the term redlining came from when it was a primarily you know, black or colored neighborhood, um, they were identified as a place where you didn't want, banks shouldn't put those mortgages into. And so that has persisted to this day um, in different forms. And so in very simple things like that, it seems like it's something that could be easily handled, but then you also start thinking about what happens in terms of education for the people who can't, you know, live in neighborhoods that have the best schools or, you you know, going on to secondary education there are so many areas where systemic racism still exists not purposefully i'm not saying that that our state is purposefully trying to create it but it's just it's there and we have to be willing and able to take some of the difficult steps to find how we can correct what's been going on and hopefully move forward
3: yeah and Jeff, michelle's hitting the nail on the head there because that's what i learned in the training i would not have even thought through this, but when the uh, when the trainer, who happened to be African American, says, you know, when a when a when a police car drives by me, I break out into a cold sweat. Um, when I can't, you know, when I can't refinance my mortgage, you know, to send my kids to school, and when you hear these things, obviously statistically, you know, racism is down in the sense of, you know, there are no more lynchings and things like that. But this kind of these subtle things, you know, that Michelle talked about, that you may not even be aware of unless you go through the training. Um, it's important. That's why we can't have HB five four four because we have to understand this. Because I think I'm pretty, um, pretty current. I have a uh, black son-in-law. I think I'm I'm out there, etc. But some of the things, you know, that I learned uh, wouldn't have happened, you know. W- wouldn't have improved my understanding of what Michelle was talking about redlining, et cetera. You know, without the training, that might be inhibited by uh, HB five four four.
1: Is I, I the the other thing is that it, it makes me wonder because this is true. It, Michelle's giving about these history lessons. There's many more examples that as as well. You know, GI Bill and all those, very many, many, many of them. Uh, but the way I'm looking at it. Would that be not even be able to be taught in schools the the actual history be, because there's an implication that it's saying that white people are racist who did this I mean Tom you're a former chair of the board of education I mean do, do you see it that way or is that am I just kind
3: of blowing this up a little bit No it might be and 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 that's what that's again what caught my attention I had my hat on as chair of the former chair of the state board of ed yeah. as well as a CEO who uh, does a lot of learning and development myself with my employee colleagues. And I was thinking, what what might be inhibited or prevented as a result? So you're right. I, I don't know the technical answer to that question, Jeff, but definitely there was a possibility of that. And that alone uh, makes HB54 a, a real chilling effect that we don't want to have in New Hampshire. Uh,
4: now, yeah, what, I I,
1: is, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
4: No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say. I think the ambiguity of um, the implications are, uh, regardless if it's if it's ambiguous with respect to what could be trained or what couldn't be taught, the I think the implications for um, people who are hearing that message is a discouragement. To come to feeling like the state is looking for uh, building a diverse workforce is mm-hmm. is not looking to enhance private employers universities efforts to um, explore those topics. So so there's some you know we could get lost in the weeds as you said at the beginning you know in in the language interpretation, but I I think that the significance is is there and clear.
3: Yeah, you, I was going to ask you. A, uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. I was going to say, in this training, I mean, you you can't. I mean, you have to get out of your comfort zone on this implicit bias training and so forth, and you can't be worrying about, oh my God, is you know, is, is that against the law? To, you know, so you, yeah. for us to address what we need to do to move forward as a society, um, you have to get out of your comfort zone and explore, to use Matt's term, um, a lot of challenging, you know, concepts and what's. Happen. No one's intentionally racism racist. I think, but we have developed over time some of these norms that we inadvertently have created some of these things, you know, like uh, you know redlining and, and things like that. So, but if you're worried, if if you're an HR executive um, at a company like Delta and all the companies that signed on, or if you're a teacher um, in school, you don't want to have to be worried about. Oh my God, is this you know? Am I? Can I say this? You know. It would be really, like I said, it would be a real chilling effect. Mm.
2: Yep, I do want to mention, too, we did a workplace racial equity challenge um, back in January and February. And, you know, uh, with minimal promotion, although um, the Business Review was great to help us promote, um, we had over 700 people sign up um, from Mm. across the state and the region Um, And we had so many people responding afterwards that they'd love to hold it again that we're actually going to launch it again June 2nd. Um, But half of those people that were a part of that first challenge just off the top um, could not take part in that program again should this law pass. And that's not even digging deeper and understanding exactly who might have had, from a business standpoint, who might have had state contracts. That's just looking at the basic organization so it it really would have a chilling effect and honestly the people who participated really talked about how important it was to really go through that discomfort that Tom mentioned that that was it was a good learning process for them and really helped them be more thoughtful and innovative about how they could approach overcoming these issues within their workplaces so i think yeah. the training on all levels is really important
3: and just think, if Michelle's stats are right, let's say half. Just think, all the continuous improvement opportunities lost if you couldn't do that in the future. We're, we're mm-hmm. not going to progress as quickly as we could on this issue, um, with 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 a chilling effect that would be created by HB 544.
1: Yeah, I you know just to 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 get a little more perspective on this, Matthew, because this is your job or part of your job, and uh. What what's the what's the steps now? I know now the bill is in the Senate as part of House Bill Two, which is the trailer bill to the budget. So it's in a it's in a situation where if it's not removed from the trailer bill, the governor would be faced with who I think has voiced opposition to this bill, I believe, uh, but he would be faced with um, having the veto veto the budget or veto the trailer bill i mean is what what is what's the process that gets going to play out in the senate and how does how does the senate approach this
4: well the senate will have a hearing on the budget including hp2 as it came over uh at which point people uh, will raise concerns that they have or uh, asks that they have for other pieces one of them will clearly be the policy pieces of 544 that have been inserted into the budget. You know what the Senate does with respect to removing that, knowing that it's going to set up for a committee of conference at the end of the process um, that will be um, contentious. You know there are lots of steps and, and time mm-hmm. to go. As far as I'm concerned, the governor I think has has indicated a clear opposition to this, which is terrific. Um, what he does or if he treats that differently because it's part of the budget, it's just too early to tell, in my opinion, Jeff. I mean, I, I think you know that. It's, it's early to yeah. tell. There are a lot of moving parts. Um, but we will certainly join with um, others in the community, in the business community, healthcare community, to oppose the content of 544 in the in the budget or wherever it sits. Um, and the Senate will need to create the budget that it needs to create that it, it may hopefully remove the what we consider be objectionable policy additions, and then they'll have to navigate that space with the house.
3: I agree with. Yeah, you, Matt. I mean, Give the governor credit. he's come out definitely opposed to this concept in the, in, the, in the bill, and he's for, for example, adult dental Medicaid. so he's saying the right the right things and authentically. But of course, then you have the whole how it all works within the budget, you know, has to be, you know, carefully orchestrated. But he's definitely, um, I've heard him say that, you know, he's, a, you know, he would be opposed to this type of thing. Hmm. Like, you yeah. know,
2: Jeff, we've also heard from several of the over 200 um, org- businesses and organizations that have signed on to NHBSR's opposition letter that they will be testifying at that hearing, uh, which is coming up the beginning of May, I believe. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it's really, it, it really is intriguing to to watch this play out against the backdrop of all the things we've seen nationally. And uh, it it makes, it does, I think there, it was something that I believe Jim Roach said, who's the, the president of the, of the Business and Industry Association, he said in, in this statement they released that this would be a real black eye for New Hampshire if this was to pass, because it would be a similar thing that's been played out in other states where States get a, you know, a notorious reputation for something like this. And that's not anything we really want to have if we want to attract, like you said, workforce, other businesses to open here. And I, th- I don't know if how that message gets across to, to some people in the legislature, but I think that they really kind of have the potential to open up a P- Pandora's
3: box. That's
2: and, what I mean, and, I, and I want to give
3: a shout out to Jim because it's hard sometimes for the BIA um, to take a, a hard yeah. position uncomfortable on, on issues and, and getting all businesses behind it but but um, I, I will say legislators listen to business leaders sometimes more than educators so I think it was so important and Jim's absolutely right we don't want to have a non business friendly you know, reputation when it comes to you know workforce um, and, and younger younger people wanting to you know relocate to New Hampshire and and work for uh, you know all these best companies um, you know, that are, you know, that are listed on and in Michelle's letter. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, I want to thank all of you for for, uh, for participating in this. It's been, you know, it's really very helpful for me personally, to to hear your views and to put this in perspective. And um, Michelle, just just to ask your question, are you still taking signatures on that letter?
2: We are, and we want to invite all businesses to participate. So it again, it's New Hampshire Businesses for Social Responsibility. So you can just go to nhbsr.org and forward slash HB 544, and you can add your company um, to that letter. We will be sending an update to both the Senate and the governor.
3: And Jeff, I want to thank you and your publisher, Ernesto, for having this as a mm. topic you know that's being addressed part of this part of the long term solutions is is talking about it and making sure so the fact that you've had the courage to put this on your podcast as well as you know the articles and also my colleague from Dartmouth Hitchcock Matt for uh, you know making the same you know workforce points you know that I've made and that's in healthcare but it's all but it but it really is all businesses so thank you for uh, the opportunity to have this discourse yeah,
1: well, thank you all for, for participating, Matt, Tom, and Michelle. And, you know, good luck in your endeavor and educating people about this. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, uh, this is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review with Ernesto Burden, our publisher and producer. Uh, Same be well, everybody.